Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. So please open your Bibles to Psalm 36. Psalm 36. You know our musicians, some of them are working through the Psalms, and we haven't gotten here yet. Philip, Jody, where are you? I just saw it. No, not there yet. But this is where we are in our preaching, as we've, some of us have taken up the Psalms. And so Psalm 36, follow along as I read. Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for it flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil. Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the doers of iniquity have fallen. They have been thrust down and cannot rise. This is the word of the Lord. What we see in this psalm are three, basically three, three characters, three people in this psalm. The ungodly, the Lord, and then the upright, the, the godly, the man who knows the Lord. Those are the three characters in this psalm. But it starts with the ungodly. And the very first word of the psalm is transgression. Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. Transgression is like another person, but it's not another person, it's, it's, it's the ungodly. It's the ungodly as he talks to himself. It's the ungodly as he listens to himself. This is like the inner life of the, of the ungodly. What is transgression? Transgression speaks to the ungodly when this heart. What's transgression? Transgression means um, crossing the line, right? You transgress, you step over a line that shouldn't be stepped over. You, you do something that God has not commanded. You put something with something else that doesn't belong. You flip things upside down. Transgression is like the... Th- at the heart of our society, 
crossing lines that shouldn't be crossed, flipping things upside down, right? Men with men. Sodomy is a transgression because it crosses a line and puts things together that quite literally don't belong together. Um, Of course, abortion is a transgression. Not only is it murder, but it's a mother who should care and nourish and nurture and protect, but instead kills. That's, that's flipping things upside down. Of course, it's easy to see those, all those evil, genuine, deep, awful evils, transgressions, out there. But transgression is alive and well in our hearts and in our homes too. Husbands, fathers, you, you cross a line, you, you transgress, you go into a, a zone that you weren't made to be in when you fail to love and to protect and to provide for your wife and your children. You flip things upside down. Remember what it says, what the Lord God himself says to Adam, our first father, the first husband, and the, in the, in the, the transgression that threw us all into this condition so that now uh, this is how we come. We come, transgression built in, right? At, at the core of who we are in our hearts, this is how we come, why? What does it say, what does God say to Adam? Because you listen to the voice of your wife. Instead of leading her, protecting her, loving her, He listened to her. He listened to her as she had gone well down the road into into sin. You see, this is us. Husbands, where do you transgress? Where do you flip things upside down? Where do you cross a line that you may not cross? You can cross it by laying down your authority. You can cross it by being a tyrant, whatever. Think about that. Wives, you transgress when you flip things upside down, when you take things that, that, don't, that God has not given to you, when you usurp the authority of your husband. Right? You transgress. Children, young people, when you judge your parents instead of honor them, When you disobey them instead of obey them, you've crossed the line, you've transgressed, you've flipped things upside down. This isn't just out there, this is us. Transgression, this, this description is of the ungodly man, the ungodly woman, the ungodly child who has no fear of God in his eyes and yet that, all of that stuff still lives within us, even those of us who are Christians. And we'll see that as we go through this psalm. But that's what transgression is. It throws things upside down, it crosses lines that shouldn't be crossed, it puts things together that shouldn't be put together, it takes apart things that shouldn't be taken apart. It messes with the world that God has made. Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. That's that's the voice, that's the inner voice of the ungodly. It is transgression personified, talking to me. 
There is no fear of God before his eyes. The fear of God is, is the essence of godliness, of wisdom. The fear, of the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, Scripture says. And so if there's no fear of God before your eyes, it's like, think of, think of your glasses, right? Think of the lenses that you look through. What are the lenses that you look at everything through? Well, for the godly, it's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is before his eyes. For the ungodly, there is no fear of God before his eyes. So everything he looks at, he looks at through the lens of, I don't care who God is. I don't care what God says. I don't care what God put in place here. I don't care what lines God has drawn. I'm not gonna obey God, that's stupid. I'm not gonna worship God, that's stupid. I'm not gonna obey my parents. That's really stupid. There's no fear of God. There's no, there's no lens. Everything the ungodly sees, he sees through the lens of dismissing God, failing to honor him, despising him. That's the, that's the, the, the bottom line description of an ungodly man. Over and over through scripture, there is no fear of God before his eyes. He does not fear the Lord. Just because you grew up in church doesn't mean you fear the Lord. Look at verse two. Verse two actually is one of the most awkwardly translated verses I think that I know of in, in this translation. It's weird. Well, let me read it to you, then I'll tell you what I think it means. Verse two says, for it flatters him. It is transgression. It is the one who's doing the, tran the transgression is doing the talking here, right? Transgression speaks to the ungodly in his heart. Here's what it says. It flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. Surely they could have done a better job. It's just a weird way to put it. Look at the, the first part is easy to understand. It flatters him. So transgression, the inner life of you as an ungodly man, an ungodly woman, an ungodly child, you're talking to yourself, and what are you telling yourself? Well, yeah, I, hey, I'm pretty great. You're pretty smart. You're wiser than all those stupid people, those Christians. You're wiser than your dad. He doesn't know anything. You're pretty great. It flatters you. Transgression, whispering in your ear, but it's actually in your heart, is talking, talking, talking. It's always telling you how great you are. You don't need to listen to anybody else. You don't need to learn from anybody else. You don't need to change anything about you. So transgression flatters him in his own eyes. Here's the weird part, concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. What does that mean? What that simply means, transgression flatters himself in his own eyes so he cannot see or hate his sin. That's what it means. Transgression is flattering the ungodly. And so they're always telling him how great he is, therefore the ungodly can't see his sin and he can't hate it. 
because he's constantly being told by himself about how, how, how fine he is, how great he is, how, how okay, how he actually superior he is. Right? Now, none of us have any knowledge of this, for sure. This, this is describing the ungodly, right? As a, the man who does not fear and does not know the Lord. And yet, when I describe this, I find myself saying, yeah, I know what that's like. You? It flatters him in his own eyes. He cannot even see or hate his sin. Verse three, the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. Of course, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus says, right? And so in his heart is flattery and lies because flattery is not true. That's kind of the essence of flattery. You say things to people that aren't true. You're saying things to yourself that aren't true. You've deceived yourself. And therefore, the words that come out of your mouth are wickedness and lies. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. You can't be wise if you don't fear the Lord. And there is no fear of the Lord before his eyes. And so he's not wise. And if he's not wise, he can't be good. Goodness is living out wisdom. Wisdom is living out the fear of the Lord. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He plans wickedness upon his bed. (laughs) Think about that image. So, you know, you're laying in in bed at night and you can't go to sleep and your mind kind of goes, or maybe you're just drifting off to sleep and your mind kind of goes into neutral, right? You know what I mean? Goes into neutral. And where does it go for the ungodly? Well, it goes to how am I going to pull it off tomorrow? How am I going to be wicked tomorrow? How am I going to get out from under the authorities God's put over me? How am I going to, how am I going to get what I want? Because after all, that's the whole point with this man. How can I get what I want? This man or woman or young person is a black hole of death. All right, look at, look at this. He is, there's nobody else in this man's world but him. He doesn't listen to any other voices but his own. The voice inside of him that tells him, that speaks to him, oh, you're great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? He's sucked into himself. He's curved in onto himself. He, if there are other people in his world, they exist only for him. And that's why it says he speaks, the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. There, he's a manipulator. Everyone in his world exists for him, sucking the life out of them. He's a bottomless pit. She is a bottomless pit of death. Sucking, sucking it in, sucking it in, sucking everyone dry. Curved in on, collapsed in on himself. 
sealed off from every other voice, every other person. And so even on his bed, he plans wickedness. How am I going to pull it off? How am I going to do this? And then he gets up in the morning and he does it. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He actually does it. Doesn't just think about it, he does it. And then that last line, verse four, he does not despise evil. Of course he doesn't despise evil, he loves it. The, the best way to get at who you are, right, is to ask yourself, what do I love and what do I hate? What do I love and what do I despise? The ungodly doesn't, does not despise evil. That means he loves it. So if he loves evil, he, ha- he, he, he hates light. He hates the good. He, he's, he loves the darkness rather than the light, is what the Apostle Paul says. He loves it. It's, all, it's a matter of what you love and hate. And we cultivate our loves and our hates. We feed them. And he does not despise evil. Now what does that, step out of that for a second and what does that tell you about how we should relate to evil? We should despise it despise it. You who fear the Lord hate evil. That's what scripture says. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And so those who don't fear the Lord don't hate evil, they love it. This goes down to the very roots of your heart. This is incredibly deeply disturbing and dark. It really is. A black hole of death. That's what the ungodly man, the ungodly woman, the ungodly teenager, the ungodly child is. Sucking the life out of everybody and everything around him but never being satisfied. You know, I keep saying the black hole of death, the thing about black holes, no expert. (laughs) You can't fill them up, (laughs) right? Whatever gets sucked in, there's always room for more. Now, the Lord, verse five. You can't have a starker contrast between two persons than the ungodly and the Lord. Look at this, verse five. Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. Oh Lord, you preserve man and beast. This is the exact opposite of the ungodly. The ungodly is a gaping pit of death. 
sucking everything into itself, into its own darkness, grabbing everything for himself, using everything for himself, using people for himself, right? What can I get out of this? But not the Lord. The Lord is an unending, continually gushing fountain of life. His, and he fills the whole created universe. That's what this should make us think. Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Way up there, as far, you know, farther than you can see. His loving kindness. Loving kindness, the Hebrew word under there means um, steadfast covenant loyalty. All of these words about the Lord, his attributes, what, what he's like, these are relationship words. They're all about people. They're all about other people. You can't have loving kindness without other people because loving kindness is about covenant and covenant is about people and relationships. His loving kindness, his steadfast covenant loyalty, that means there are people, there are, his, his, his faithfulness that is never ending based on the promises of his word fills the universe, reaches to the heavens, his faithfulness reaches to the skies further than you can see. You see loving kindness and faithfulness. And then your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Down to the roots of the earth, all the way up to the peaks, this unmovable mountain of righteousness. Your judgments are like a great deep. His judgments go down, all the way down, 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 down to the very bottom of the sea, right? He, he sees down, all the way down there. He uncovers everything down to its deepest, deepest depths. He fills the whole universe with himself. He preserves, it says, oh Lord, you preserve man and beast. We take this for granted, but think about all the, all the people on the earth. We don't preserve ourselves, we are preserved. Think of all the, all the animals, think of all the bugs. We don't like bugs, but man, are they everywhere. That's why you don't like them. And they have too many legs. But bugs, Aaron Jones told me that uh, if you weigh all the insects on the earth, it outweighs all the mammals, including elephants and things like that, right? I don't know how they figured that out. That's a lot of bugs. They're everywhere. So there you are. So you think oh, these aren't just little accidental glitches, you know? God made them and he preserves them. He overflows in goodness to everything that he's made. This is the exact opposite of the, of the ungodly. That's why he's ungodly, because God's not like that. 
God overflows. God gives. God delights. God delights in your delight. Not the wicked. He sucks in and he uses and he clutches and he kills. All he's got this endless loop inside his head that's all a lie. All he cares about is himself. So you've got the ungodly, you've got the Lord, and then the, this other person steps in, all right? The upright, the one who knows the Lord, the righteous, the godly. Verse seven, it's really, you still see the Lord here, but now you, you see someone else. Verse seven, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. This is a godly person looking at the Lord, looking about all this wonderful, you know, outpouring this magnanimous, magnificent heart, pouring out goodness, and the godly looks at that, and what? How precious, how precious, he, he loves it. He sees the Lord as he is in his generosity and his, his overflowing goodness, and he loves it. You see, the ungodly can never do that. They can't praise anything. They're a black hole of death. But the godly can see and praise and, and treasure this loving kindness of God that extends to the heavens. And he, pre- he, he, he treasures it. He loves it. He delights in it. Something outside of himself, the Lord. And the children of men, it says, verse seven, take refuge in the shadow of your wings. What a beautiful picture. They, the children of men take refuge. There's a storm, there's danger. We gotta hide. Where are we gonna hide? We're gonna hide under the wings of God, of the Lord. Now I think actually this is not, this is talking about something, I think the image here, what David was thinking as he wrote it, and what the people would have, would have heard as, he, as they read it and sang it, what do you mean the wings of the Lord? Where are the wings of the Lord? The wings of the Lord, this is an image of that thing that's in the center of the, of the, uh, of the tabernacle, right? Where they worship the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant. You remember this, Sunday school? The big box covered with gold. And on top of the gold, or on top of the box, are angels, cherubim, with wings. Remember this? Stretches out and covers it. And under those wings is the place where once a year the the high priest would go in with blood, not his own, throw the blood on that, it's called the mercy seat, the top of that box. And this is symbolically the place where God was, where God lived, where God sat, where God met with his people. And so what is he saying? the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. The children of men come, right, standard issue, standard equipment on the children of men, us, is no fear of God, flattering ourselves, transgression, wickedness, plotting and scheming even on our beds, 
no wisdom, not doing good. This is how we come. Right? So who do we need to take refuge from? The Lord. And he's given us a way and a place to take refuge. And it's the picture of that is that Ark of the Covenant under the wings where blood is spilt. The, the, the reality is the blood of Jesus. So we can take refuge from, from God under the shadow of the wings. This is so precious. Verse eight, having come, having taken refuge in the shadow of your wings, they drink their fill of the abundance of your house and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. You think about that picture, they drink their fill. Have you ever drunk so much water that when you get up to walk away, you hear it? You know? That's what it means to drink your fill. You couldn't possibly drink it. If you drink anything else, it kind of leaks out. And that's bad. Total satisfaction, right? Can't take another bite. Can't sip another sip. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, not the pittance, but the abundance. And you give them to drink of the river of your delights. The river, not the, not the, not the eyedropper. Here's your dose of delight. Bloop. Two drops of delight for you. It's a river. Now, is that the God that you know? There's the old saying, right? The thief thinks what? Everyone steals. And so this ungodly man, the black hole of death man, right? That we all came as, and we still, even as Christians, have in our heart, right? That stingy, self-centered, self-absorbed, self-focused, wrapped up black hole of death that uses everyone for himself, doesn't give anything to anybody but trouble. That guy, when he looks at God, what does he see? He sees himself. That's all he can see. And so here's a, to the extent that you see God that way is the extent to which you are that way yourself. Does that make sense? That was confusing. If you see God as the black hole of death, that means you're stuck in the black hole of death. Does that make sense? If you don't see God as this, well, what does he say? Verse nine, for with you is the fountain of life. If you don't see God as the fountain of life, who is pouring out abundance, he, he gives you refuge, he covers your sin, and then he gives you the abundance of his house, and he says, drink, eat, drink, eat, don't stop. Nope, not full enough yet. Keep going. Here, here's a river. You thirsty? Here, take a drink. 
from a river. <laughs> I mean, once you, a stingy God doesn't give you a river to drink. You can't drink, you can't drink the river dry. You ever tried to drink a river dry? It just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and there's no, there's no, no difference. No matter how much you drink, it's still full. That's God, the fountain of life. And if you can't see him like that, then it's because you yourself are still stuck in this vortex, black hole, sinking whirlpool of death. And you think that's the way he is too. You're stingy, he must be stingy. You're sucked in on yourself, so he must be sucked in on himself. And so if you're gonna get anything from him, right? Well, how do people get anything from you? Well, they gotta pry it from your fingers. So if you're gonna get anything from God, prayer, you know, is us <sighs> prying out God's blessings from his clenched, stingy hand. <laughs> no. No. He's, he's the fountain of life. River of delight. Not river of drudgery. Not river of sorrow. Not river of pain or duty. But a river of delight. The upright in heart sees that God, knows him, believes it's true, and worships, praises. Praise, the ungodly can't praise. The ungodly is sucking into himself. He's not giving anything. He's not appreciating anything outside of himself. But the godly has been opened up. To be godly is to be like God. Right? In this way, at least, you, be, you yourself become a fountain of life. Remember what Jesus says? The one who comes to me out of his belly <laughs> will gush streams of living water. You become a fountain of life when you know the Lord. Not a black hole of death sucking everything into itself and killing it, but you yourself become a fountain of life. Because that's what God is. So the upright praises, and then the last, the end of the psalm, the upright also prays. Part of this relationship, part of this loving kindness, this steadfast covenant loyalty, there's this beautiful give and take between the godly and the Lord. The Lord pours out the fountain of life, the river of delights, the fullness of his house. And the godly see it and they, they, they cherish that. It's precious to them. They praise him for it. And they pray. They pray. They ask for more. Verse 10, oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you. Don't ever let it stop. Don't ever let it stop. Please keep pouring out your steadfast, 
faithfulness to all of your promises. Keep pouring it out on me to all of those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. And then in verse 11, he gets personal for the very first time. Let not the foot of pride come upon me. So all up to this point, it's been those people, the ungodly, it's the Lord, it's those who take refuge in the Lord, it's those who come to the Lord, it's those who drink from the Lord, it's those who, right, all, the Lord, all those people who, who know the Lord. But then in verse 11, it's me. Let not the foot of pride come upon me. You could sing this psalm. and never come down to me, to you. Because these are all truths that you can affirm and acknowledge, but what about you? Let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. This isn't theoretical. This isn't impersonal. This comes down to you. And then the last verse. Ends where it began with the godless, the transgressor, transgressor, the ungodly, the wicked. And it's like David, by faith, sees something out there. It's weird how he says this. He says, there, the doers of iniquity have fallen. I see it. It's like on a battlefield, and you're, he's looking out on the, across the battlefield, and he sees something out there, and what does he see? Way out there, there, the end. The end of the doers of iniquity. They've fallen, and they've been thrust down and cannot rise. God has thrust them down. That is the end of, of, the, of the bottomless pit of death. You're going to land in it. All the black holes of death sucking life into themselves and destroying it, they get destroyed. So, who are you? You're not the Lord. Scratch that one off. Are you the ungodly or the upright? Even those of us who have the Holy Spirit, have been born again, who know that our sins are forgiven, have a whole lot of the ungodly living in us, don't we? Some of you are categorically the ungodly. All right, so I'm not talking to Christians now who, who know our sin and feel when we, when we read this description of, what, of this voice in the ear, right? The voice in the heart, the transgressor, who, who transgression that flatters us and hate, makes us not able to see our sin and hate it. Well, the godly man has that happening in himself, but he actually sees it. He, he's able to look at himself and say, whoa, I was just flattering myself. 
but then he sees it, right? So this is not, that's a, there's a categorical difference between those who, who can see when that's happening and those who can't. And by definition, the people who can't see it when they're happening are the ungodly. They're, they're blind. They're blind to their blindness. That's, the, that's how blindness works. You can't see it. It's, they're self-deceived. Some of you sitting here are the ungodly. Do you understand? The ungodly. And all, the only voice you hear is your own voice. The only praise you offer is praise of yourself. That's what flattery is. But it's lies. And the proof that you're ungodly is the fact that you're listening to me right now and thinking, that's not me. That's stupid. Yeah, that's what God said you would say. You need to tremble. No fear of God before your eyes. No fear of God. No love for anyone but yourself. You don't see your sin. If you do kind of get a glimpse, you make excuses for it. You flatter it. I'm not that bad. I'm better than him. Better than her. Look at all those hypocrites. Your end is death. You will fall, thrust down and not able to stand up again. That's what, that's what you're headed for. So if that's you, how can you break free from this black hole of death? How can we who do know the Lord break free more from the black hole of death, right? How does that work? How do we get free of this? We want to be free from it. How do you get free from it? Well, you know the Lord. You know the Lord. Because what is he like? His loving kindness extends to the heavens, his faithfulness to the skies, his righteousness is like the mountains of God, his judgments are like a great deep. He preserves us. He gives us refuge from his own wrath through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, shed in the place of sinners. And then he welcomes us into his house and tells us keep eating and drinking until you literally can't touch it anymore. Fill yourself up. Here's a river. Thirsty? Here. Have a river. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the fountain of life. When you come to know the Lord, you become like the Lord. That's the wonderful gift of being transformed into his image. That's what scripture says. We become like him. That's the only way out of this black hole of death. It's to know the Lord. To know him is to get out of yourself. Don't you want that? If you couldn't care less, 
then you are going to be thrust down and you will not be able to rise. If you, if you do care, seek the Lord. Come to him. Not stingy. Not meeting out little tiny gray, you know, colorless, tasteless blocks of soy. Sorry. You know? Delights, a feast, come to him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do pray that you would open our eyes to our own sin that still dwells in our hearts. Help us to see the ugliness and the death of it and to hate it and to run as far as we can away from it and to find refuge in the shadow, under the shadow of your wings. Help us to drink deeply from the river of your delights. Help us to um, kill the lies that we have created, the false image of you that's wrong, and to know you as you are. And I pray, Lord, for those here who are still sitting here in their sin, in their, in their black hole, sucked in on themselves, not able to see any light, believing the lies that they keep telling themselves. Oh, Lord, break them free, we pray. Bring them into the light. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.